to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I want to deal with something in, in the in the title. Uh, you saw that I it's it's a warning, and this is a warning tonight. This is a warning, uh, so I want you to share it because uh, it's important. But this is a warning about, and we were trying to think of the best way to title this for the broadcast because um, initially what I was going to say is uh, this type of person that we're going to talk about tonight is it cannot be helped. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do for this type of person. And of course, I'm warning every believer, especially the Victory Tribe, never allow yourself to become this type of person. And I, I of course, believe that you would never, but this is a warning. It's a scriptural warning, but especially as we come to the place, here's the reason I'm doing this at the end of the fast rather than at the beginning of the year, is because when we're on this fast and prayer, we're all gung-ho about, we're in the word of God, you know, we're praying, we're pressing in, we're faithful, we're on the broadcast twice a day. Uh, you're almost in this uh, spiritual uh, momentum that when you start eating again, sometimes what people feel is they feel their flesh kick back in and then they go back to kind of reverting to how things were before their dedication, before their uh, fast time of fasting and prayer began. And when that flesh kicks back in, which it will, because once you start to eat again and once you begin to put calories back in your body, um, you know, your flesh is strengthened again. Uh, people start to revert uh, back to kind of how the things were. Not that you won't read the Bible or pray, but again, you're going to have to battle the strength of your flesh again. But uh, now that we're coming into that season, I do want to talk about what I'm talking about tonight. And it is this, this warning against ever becoming this type of person. And it's, it's a very serious thing or else it wouldn't have been mentioned multiple times in the Bible. And it is multi mentioned multiple times in the Bible. Um, and so I want, I want to start that, but I start there, but I wanted you to go with me to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. Um, Loenda said, my pastor said, if you gave up certain foods on, on the fast, don't go back to them. Um, and I'm, I suppose that he's probably talking about people that had food addictions and things that just, uh, maybe they were just uh, things that were just terrible. Um, I'm sure much to your pastor's chagrin, it will not be long before there is a cheesy gordita crunch in my hand once again. Uh, you don't have to share that with him but it's my own personal conviction between me and the heavenly father who has given me all things to enjoy, the Bible says. And uh, it won't be long before there's a crunch wrap supreme somewhere in my vicinity, if you catch my drift. Um, Romans chapter 12, and uh, I, wanna, I wanna just take you here for a minute. And um, in all capital letters, like an angry teenage girl, I want you to put in the comments section the word, apathy. I want you to put that in. Thank you, Loenda. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, Loenda blessed us 
Loenda blessed the whole Miracle Word team um, with dinner, and she this was before the first of the year. She sent us out, bought everybody on the team dinner, and uh, we sent her pictures. We went and got tacos. We went, I mean, it was mind-blowing. Let me not get off track here. We got one more day. Apathy. Put it in, put it in the comment section. Apathy. Yeah, put it in all caps. Put that word in there. Apathy. And uh, I want you to see what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 12. And um, let's start reading in verse 9. Romans chapter 12. I'll start. I'm going to read verses 9 um, through 11. 9 through 11. And listen very carefully to this uh, instruction from the Apostle Paul. Let love be genuine. Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, I, I could stop right there. We've done a broadcast on that. I could spend an hour on that. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's powerful. That's a powerful verse all by itself. Try to out-honor one another. I'm going to honor you. You know, I mean? you know, one of my favorite things before we get to verse 11, uh, there's a wonderful pastor and uh, his wife in, in uh, North Carolina, pastors Steve and Sherry Barbie. Love them very much. They're wonderful pastors and um, anointed. I mean, very anointed. And uh, they love people. But they've spent their, their lives serving the body of Christ. And uh, they've recently just turned the church over uh, to their son. And, um, but spent their lives pastoring, spent their lives uh, serving the sheep. And I love to see when younger ministers honor other older ministers that have been faithful for so long. I love to see that. Well, they were coming, uh, Brother Steve, Pastor Steve, was coming to my father's camp meeting in West Virginia. And um, another pastor in his neighboring town, basically right there, uh, who's on our board, Pastor Brian Wright, uh, showed up because he was going to drive Pastor Steve uh, to the camp meeting. And uh, one thing, if you ever meet Pastor Steve, you know he loves a good Coca-Cola, ice cold Coca-Cola. Pastor Steve loves a Coca-Cola. And so... uh, Pastor Brian was going to drive him uh, up to West Virginia for the camp meeting. Well, when they opened the garage at Pastor Steve's house, Pastor Brian was already there with his car ready for Pastor Steve, but he had rolled out. <laughs> he had rolled out a red carpet to the car for Pastor Steve, and Pastor Brian is standing there with a towel over his arm like a, like a waiter holding a, 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 a little, what would you call that, like a platter, with an ice cold Coca-Cola ready to go for Pastor Steve. And, uh, you know, and it was, it, it was done and fun. But of course, he loves Pastor Steve, honors Pastor Steve. And I love that story. I love to see it. They came out, of course, they laughed and, and saw that and, and everything. But I love that. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdone, outdo one another is showing honor. Lisa Lamb said, Pastor Brian is my pastor and Pastor Steve is great. And we know it's just wonderful to see it, uh, that the honor, outdo one another in showing honor. And uh, can you imagine what the body of Christ would look like if people made it a point to out, try to outdo one another? Oh, you, 
You think you've honored me? Wait till you see how I honor you. <laughs> I'm going to honor you beyond anything you've seen. Anything you've seen. We came in to honor Pastor Stephen Sherry. Again, uh, I was so uh, excited to be able to do this. They didn't know we were coming. We surprised them, came in, and got to spend time with them at, right before they're turning the church over. But um, I wanted to be able to do something as well because they've been such a blessing to us, uh, me and Carolyn. And um, if you've ever heard me tell the story about how in that service one time I picked that guy up over my shoulder and just started bouncing him around the uh, church. And when, he, when I laid him down, I prophesied to him and all that. And I told you there was that older pastor in the crowd that just made a beeline for me after the service. And I thought I was getting ready to get, uh, you know, rebuked as the young evangelist that, you know, is too wild, that doesn't restrain his, you know, whatever. And uh, when he got to me, we had a divine connection. He said, that was so powerful. That young man needed that. He needed that, told me the whole testimony. And from that day forward, Pastor Steve and Sherry and their family and ours became friends. And I've preached at the church many times and they've been a blessing, a huge blessing to us. So when I heard they were retiring from pastoring, we wanted to go down. We surprised them and uh, took them to dinner and had a great dinner with uh, other pastor friends. It was wonderful, family. And uh, I just, it, it was awesome. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's a biblical command. That's a biblical command. But go further. Look at verse 11 now. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. So let's hang our hat right there for a minute because here's the warning and here's a command. I'm going to take you to some other passages. But I see this. This is a type of person that cannot be helped by anyone. Cannot be helped by anyone. Who? What type of person? The apathetic person. The apathetic person. Amen. And I, obviously there's a big difference between being empathetic and apathetic. I'm talking about those people that literally you can't even burn, you can't even put a fire under their butt. You can't get them stirred up about anything. They're just disinterested. And I guess that might be one of the best ways to say it. Christians that are just disinterested. They're disinterested in everything. They're disinterested in helping. They're disinterested in volunteering their time. They're disinterested in winning souls. They're disinterested in giving. They're disinterested in praising God. They're disinterested in church attendance. They're disinterested. I mean, everything. They just, they don't care. One way, oh, brother, I don't care. You know, it's not a big deal. I don't, I, and and it's, it creeps in on you. It creeps in on you. And you can never let it grab hold of your spirit. You can never let it grab hold of your mind. You can't let it grab hold of your body. Get apathy out of your life. Get that disinterested spirit out of your life. Look at this verse one more time, verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Don't be slothful in what? In zeal. In zeal. That means the Bible's commanding here, us here to be extremely zealous in anything that we do for the Lord. You, of course, you know the, what the Bible says. Whatever you do for the Lord, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. Zealous people. See, let me, let me explain something to you. Excellence, excellence stems from or comes out of fervent zeal. Excellence stems out of fervent zeal. That's, it's the tiggers. That's right. Those that are excited to do, those that are eager to do, they're ready to do. 
right? And not just to do, but to do it with all their might. Oh man, we need those people in our generation today. One of the saddest things I see now is, you know, you'll hear business owners say this. I can't get any of these young people to work. You hear people say that. I can't get any of these young people to work. I can't get them. You know, they just would rather stay home. I I can't get them to come in. I can't cover these shifts. I can't tell you over the last year and a half in traveling, there's places that usually stay open late. Oh, closing super early, closing at 7 p.m., closing at 6 p.m. It's like, well, hold on. Why are you closing? I'll, I'll, I'll say, why are you closed? We can't get anybody to cover these shifts. Nobody wants to work. What's the problem? They're disinterested. They're apathetic. They don't care. They don't care. We cannot allow that to creep in to the body of Christ. We cannot allow that to creep in to the kingdom of God. It's a killer. And it's actually, think about this. Now, this will blow people's minds. Being apathetic, being disinterested is actually a sin if it is a contradiction to the word of God, which it is. Notice this. Under my Bible, of course, this is just added by those that laid this out um, for the purpose of organization. The header in my Bible under the ESV for uh, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, the header for mine says, marks of the true Christian. Marks of the true Christian. Then it goes into, "Let let your love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Do not be slothful. I'd like to see real quickly what the New Living Translation says. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, New Living. Let me find it for you. This is what it says. Never be lazy but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I like that. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I love that translation. Or, this in the notes, the footnotes, or serve the Lord with a zealous spirit. Or, but let the spirit excite you as you serve the Lord. That's good. That's good. Let the spirit excite you as you serve the Lord, serve the Lord with a zealous spirit or here in the ESV or the new living, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. That's how, that's what God wants. Look at the new English translation. Do not lag in zeal, be enthusiastic in spirit, serve the Lord. I love that. I love that. Serve the Lord with enthusiasm, zealous spirit. What is this? The devil tries to make people, uh, tries to throw this into people's lives. They creep in with what? Apathy, disinterested, and people start to coast through life. Now, you've heard me say it many times on the broadcast. We don't coast. The victory tribe does not coast. There's no cruise control. Denise said, the new King James says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's right. We don't coast. The victory tribe does not coast. We do not put life on cruise control. We're not apathetic. We're not disinterested. We're going to serve the Lord enthusiastically. I love that. Glenn quoting the proverb, the hand of the diligent 
will prosper. The hand of the diligent will, without question, prosper. Let me show you another passage here that'll stir you up. This is a very interesting Old Testament, Zephaniah. Let's go back to that. Zephaniah chapter one. And um, I'm going to read you verses 12 and 13. Now, God's obviously talking about, um, you know, Judah, Israel. It's the coming judgment on Judah. But let's take this away for ourselves. Listen, if this angered God back then, it still angers him now. God doesn't change. His nature's the same. His character's the same. If this angered him then, it angers him now. Let's take it away for our own lives. And this is why he was angry with Judah and Jerusalem and was ready to punish. Um, Notice what he says. Zephaniah 1, 12 and 13. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are complacent. Look at that. I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Basically saying God's not going to do anything. He's not going to do good. He's not going to do ill. God's not going to do anything. Look at that. Verse 13, their goods shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they'll not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyard vineyards, they'll not drink the wine from them. Notice that God was irritated, irritated with people. He said on that day, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to search Jerusalem with lamps and find all the complacent men. I'm going to find all that say God won't do anything. God's not going to do anything. He said, no, the day of the Lord's near. The day of the Lord is near. The prophet's saying it. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons who array themselves in foreign attire. I'll punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence. He's announcing the judgment. So he said, when I say I'm coming to bring judgment, I I don't care whether he's coming to bring judgment or think about it, even if he's coming to bring blessing. He said, I'm going to come find, I'm going to search out every complacent one of my followers. That's what he's saying in the Old Testament covenant context. And I'll punish them that say, God's not going to do anything good. God's not going to do anything bad. He said, no, I've already said that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So to be complacent and act like God's not, doesn't matter what we do. God's not going to do anything. These are the same people that don't believe drink number two. That's right. And Glenn's ahead of me. I'm headed there too, Glenn. But hear me now. Same people. The same people that you hear them talking today. Well, nothing's changing. Revival's not coming. I guess this is how it's going to be. Let's just hunker down till you know, the rapture. Complacent, apathetic. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. And it's a dangerous and demonic way to live. Because you know what ends up happening? People stop caring about other people. They don't care about souls. They don't care about soul winning. They don't care about God's number one priority. See, that's why if you read the verse before in Romans 12, you know what he said? Love what's good, hate what's evil. In other words, love what God loves, hate what God hates. 
Love what God loves, hate what God hates. Did you know that David wrote in the Psalms and said, Lord, I have hated your enemies with a perfect hatred. Have you never read that passage before? Yeah. David said, Lord, I have hated your enemies with a perfect hatred. Love what God loves. Hate what God hates. And then goes beyond that. Doesn't it? Be fervent in zeal. Don't be apathetic. Don't coast. No, no. God's looking for people that love what he loves. What's God's heart? Souls. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right? That's why Jesus was sent. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. God loves people. God has sent the gospel. He sent Christ. He sent the word. Why? Because he loves people. He's not willing that any should perish. Some will perish, but it's not God's will that they perish. They're perishing against his will. They're perishing against his will. That's why he sent the gospel. That's why he sent Christ. But then the enemy tries to do this to you where you so don't care. And I know this, I know, listen to me. I know that this is a a convicting thing to study and to hear, but we need to hear it as the victory tribe. When's the last time you won somebody to Jesus? When's the last time you brought somebody to church? When's the last time you did what the Lord, and, and you're pushing for what God's pushing for. Align your heart with God's heart. Align your heart with God's heart. Love what he loves. Hate what he hates, right? And be fervent in zeal. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Don't let a cold deadness fall on you where you just got this dead in the eyes look as you serve the Lord. You come in every Sunday looking the same way and you go, not stirred to anything, not stirred to anything. Hmm. Oh, why is that? Paul prophesied why it would, ha- why it would happen. Um, well, let, before I re- re- read you Paul's prophecy, I'll read you Revelation chapter three. Listen to this. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. This is Jesus showing up to the, to the seven churches of Asia Minor in the book of Revelation. And he's giving each one of them uh, instruction, giving each one of them that needs it rebuke. And notice Revelation 3, he said, wake up, wake up, speaking to the, to the church, the angel of the church, the congregation, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. So your work for God can be incomplete. Think about that. In fact, say, say the opposite in the comments. My work for God will never be incomplete. Put it in that way. Put that cop in the comments that way. My work for God will never be incomplete in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, when you play sports, they have different phrases you'll hear uh, oftentimes. You know, I give 110%. Or, or, or sometimes you'll hear people say, leave it all on the field if you play football or something. Or leave it all on the court if you play basketball or whatever. You know what that means? Leave it all on the field. Leave it all on the court. Give 110%. It means that you didn't step away from the game thinking, man, I could have done more. 
I could have tried harder. I could have gone deeper. I could have dug down deep and had that extra strength, and I could have gave that last bit of effort to win the game. You feel regret when you step away that way. You say, man, I didn't give everything I had. That game came to an end. I didn't give everything I had. I got more to give. Don't be that person in Christianity in the kingdom of God that the game's over, Christ has come, and there's more you could have done. Leave it all on the field. 110%. Give everything you've got. Give it everything you've got so that you don't ever have to stand before the Lord one day and he says to you, let's look back over your, your works and you pass them through the fire, the Bible says, and works are burnt up like chaff and only a few come out as gold on the other side. Because only a, a little bit of what you did in your life mattered toward eternity. Don't let your life, uh, not only do we have to give an account for every idle word, we have to give an account for every work that we produce. And some of those works will be refined in the fire and come out gold. Others will be burned up like chaff. The meaningless stuff. The meaningless stuff. Right? I'm giving everything I've got. I'm going to serve the Lord enthusiastically. I'm going after this. I'm going out, time is short, Jesus is coming, there's work to be done, souls need the gospel. And you can't just say, well, I depend on my pastor, I depend on the evangelists, I depend on the fivefold, no, 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 every believer is called to do the work of an evangelist, every believer. Paul prophesied why this would happen in the last days, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth, wander off into, uh, into myths. And do you know in another place, Paul prophesies, people will become lovers of themselves instead of lovers of God. So they're, so they're disinterested in the things of God. They're disinterested in the kingdom. They're disinterested in God's desires because they've become lovers of themselves. I'd rather do what I like than what God likes, right? Yeah. Very, very powerful to understand that the danger of apathy, it stops you in your tracks from being a productive Christian in the kingdom. Stops you in your tracks. Oh, let me, can I, can I just read uh, something to you? Uh, because I want to just show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You want to talk about a diligent dude. You want to talk about somebody who um, gave everything. You, you talk about using that phrase, left it all on the field left it all on the field, gave 110%. You want to talk about a diligent man who, who did not have an ounce of apathy in his being, not an ounce. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. Here's a man who didn't have an ounce of apathy, not even a tiny bit. So, so we ask our question, uh, the question, how did Paul get to the end of his life and how was he able to say, I have run my race, I have finished my course. How could he say that? How could he claim that? I've run my race, I have finished my course. How, how was he able to say that? Here's how. Here's how. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to start reading with uh, verse 
number 16 because he starts to list his sufferings as an apostle. He says in verse 16, I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. <laughs> He's, so just to give you some context here, when he says, uh, think me a fool so that I may boast a little bit. He's, he's contrasting his own life with the false apostles that are claiming to be super apostles, if you will. And he said, oh yeah, are they uh, boasting about their work for the Lord, these false teachers, these false apostles? Let me tell you a little bit of what it looks like to truly work for the Lord. He said, accept me as a fool so that what I, I too may boast a little, verse 17. What I'm saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I'll boast too. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. And you have to understand, if you ever read Paul's writings, one of the things you'll find out is that Paul uses sarcasm often. Paul uses rhetorical devices, and Paul uses sarcasm in his writings often. Here he's doing it again. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves. You know, he's saying that sarcastically, obviously. For if you bear it, uh, if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face, to my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. Too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool again, I also dare to boast of that myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. He, now, he said, if you want to talk about comparing, let me just compare my life with these false apostles. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Who said, ooh, now he's, he's Paul's in pride. No, li listen to what Paul's trying to do here. Oh, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. He keeps reminding them, I'm speaking like a fool on purpose to make a point. I'm talking like a madman on purpose to make a point. Are they followers of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm a better one. Look at this. With far greater labors, I'm doing more work than these guys are doing. Far greater labors. Far more imprisonments. So he said, oh, they think they're great apostles? How many times have they been to jail for the gospel? I can answer that. None. Guess how much? I've been in jail all the time. All the time. Look at this. Uh, then he says this to them, Paul. He says, uh, I've been imprisoned far more. Countless beatings. Countless beatings. He said, these false apostles haven't been beaten. He said, I've been beaten countless times. Beat, and the Bible actually tells us uh, multiple times, book of Acts, they were beaten on their backs with rods. Beaten on their backs with rods. He said, I've been beating, beaten countless times, often near death. Five times I received at the, Jew, at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys 
in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from those other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who's weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses, that the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is my blessed, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, in the wall and escaped his hands. He's showing, hey Shannon, he's showing, and this is powerful, He's showing all of what he's willing to give. I can promise you. So why did you read all that about Paul's sufferings? I'll tell you why I read it. Because you can see clearly now that Paul did not have an ounce of apathy in his body. Not an ounce. I mean, he's like, I've got the care for the churches on my mind. I've got people that are dealing with stuff. I got young Christians, baby Christians, people getting ready to fall away from the faith. I got people that false apostles are trying to teach them to be circumcised, Galatia. I got people telling them they're not truly saved. Now they're all torn up and they don't know what to do. And they're all up in arms because now someone told them they're not really a Christian. Now I got to go to Jerusalem, meet with those apostles. We got to send emissaries to the churches to tell these false apostles, stop preaching that false doctrine that's bringing an uproar in the church and and trying to uh, make the sacrifice of Christ nothing. And he said, plus I've been beaten, shipwrecked and at sea and hungry. And you know, he goes through the whole list. He goes through the whole list. You know what he's trying to show them? He's trying to show them by example that I'm willing to give everything for the cause of Christ. I am willing to do anything because I've got a desire to run my race and finish my course. You know, can I tell you, if the devil would have been able to slip that apathetic spirit into Paul, to slip that disinterested demeanor into Paul, he never would have been able to run his race and finish his course. Never, never. You can't allow yourself. Look at Jesus. Jesus cried. He cried over Jerusalem. He cried over those people. He mourned. Why? Because they were like sheep having no shepherd. Astray, running around, right? Jesus, the apostles, Paul the apostle, they had a hunger and a desire to see God's will done on the earth. They went after it with everything they had. Do you know what's amazing? Even in the first century, the second century, in the third century of the church, it was a death sentence to be a Christian. uh, It wasn't until the, uh, the peace of the church under Constantine that it was no longer a death sentence to be a Christian. And Christians didn't care. They were like, I'm not going to deny Christ. I'm not going to say he wasn't risen from the dead. I refuse to say it's a hoax. I refuse to say it's a lie. He's alive. He's alive. And you know what they were doing? They were feeding them to lions. They were cutting them in half. They were crucifying them. They were beheading them. They were torturing them. They were burning them alive. But you know, he said, we'll not deny Christ. He's alive. And I'll live, I'll give everything I have for the cause of Christ. I can guarantee you this. They would not have lived like that if an apathetic spirit had come into their heart. If that disinterested 
uh, demeanor had crept into their life where Christianity looked like more of a hobby than it did a lifestyle. And that's the danger of what the enemy is trying to do in these final moments of time. He's trying to make people's Christianity into a part-time love for God, into a hobby, into something that they do when they can get there and have free time. But it's a lifestyle. It is something that we are to live, as the book of Romans says, Paul wrote this. He said, you've got to live with fervent zeal. Do not become slothful in your zeal, but serve Christ enthusiastically with everything you've got. Whatever you do for the Lord, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. Do not allow what's going on. This is commonplace, isn't it? I mean, raise a hand in the comments if you've seen it, even in our culture. It's commonplace, commonplace to be apathetic, commonplace to be disinterested, to just coast through life. I'm blown away more and more, even in the service industry. I'm just blown away by how much people don't care about their job. It's not just in the service industry. Everywhere I go, I'm just blown away by how much people are coasting through life, doing just enough to get by, just enough to make it, you know, just enough not to get fired. It's become part of the culture. Apathetic, disinterested. They don't care. You know, just doing the bare minimum. I, I, I just was... I went down to a camp meeting and then I went to see Pastor Mark Hankins for his birthday. And uh, when we flew into Louisiana, I went to the rental car desk. And it's like, I know that there are standards that these rental company offices hold for their employees. So I'm sure there's something, uh, I'm sure there's something they tell you you gotta have a collared shirt and a tie on or whatever if you're sitting at the desk or at least a collared shirt. I go up to the rental car desk and the guy I mean, you could tell it was like everything he could do to not wear what he had to wear. And he's like, like a sloth sitting behind the desk. He's got like a dirty white short sleeve dress shirt on, unbuttoned down with like a tie loosely pulled up to his sternum. And I look, because I'm standing, because I'm tall, I can see down. He's got on old gray sweatpants, <laughs> old gray stained sweatpants. And he's got that shirt untucked hanging over those sweatpants. And I look down, he's got like Crocs on and sweatpants and an undone shirt and tie. And he's just sitting there with a lazy demeanor. It's like, people don't even care. Many people have slipped into cruise control and they're coasting through life. And that same spirit of this world is trying with everything it can to creep into the kingdom of God, to creep into the church. And I'll tell you, the seeker sensitivity has not helped at all. Seeker sensitivity in the church world over the last 40 years has not done anything to help that. It, it, and, and let me just say this, casual Christianity puts a casual feeling on everything you do for God, everything. And we wanted to make our churches so casual and so seeker sensitive that nobody was uh, uncomfortable when they came in. And can I tell you something? Casual Christianity produces, produces casual Christians. So you know what happens? Oh, you know, and, you, and they advertise it on their website. Oh, our church is very casual. Great, good for you. And you know what that ends up leading to? Casual living. It leads to casual prayer, casual fasting if they fast at all. 
uh, casual Bible reading, casual uh, feeling in your soul winning, casual giving, casual church attendance, church attendance. That's what it turns into. Oh, we're very casual. You know, we're not trying to hold anybody to any kind of high standard. And that's what you'll get. You'll get people who all live at a very low standard in the kingdom. Because when you start to think that you can serve Christ any way you want to serve Christ, then you will. Because your flesh wants to do less than it has to. Casual power. If any power at all, Glenn. If any power at all. Many of these churches, you know as well as I do, Glenn, uh, that many of these seeker-sensitive churches, they're not going to see miracles. They're not laying hands on the sick. They're not having people filled with the Holy Ghost. They're not having moves of the Spirit. They don't even want that. They don't even want that. They don't want speaking in tongues in their sanctuaries. They, they don't want the mess of having people have hands laid on them, deliverance taking place and healing. They don't want, the, the, they don't want that. They want their clean-cut 60-minute uh, service. They want to be able to get people in and out. They want to clean. They want something that can be easily replicated from campus to campus without ever having a pastor on the campus. Just turn the screen on and broadcast the service from the main campus, and then somebody that's just an administrator can stand around, turn the projector on and off, and you know usher people out the door when the service. They want something that's easily duplicatable that takes no actual discipleship power pressing in. It becomes a business. And it's not the move of God. It's not the power of God. And it's not how God created church to be at all. And that's not what we need in 2023 with people addicted to drugs and dying of overdoses, people that can't get free from their invisible prisons, people that are dying in hospitals sick and they need healing power to flow through their body and make them well. People that are dead in trespasses and in sins that are on their way to hell without the gospel message. And we've got churches that won't even give altar calls anymore because they're embarrassed of making somebody feel out of place, making somebody feel uncomfortable. You know what's, let me tell you what uncomfortable is. Hell will be uncomfortable. Hell will be extremely uncomfortable. I would rather people be uncomfortable now and be put to a decision now than have to wait until their death better after they die saying, I wish somebody would have told me. I wish somebody would have put me to a decision. I wish somebody would have called me out on what was going on in my life. I made up my mind. I'm not going to just let my generation go to hell because I was too embarrassed to put people to a decision and to tell them the truth. I asked God, put a Holy Ghost backbone in me that no matter what our culture does, see, I have no issue. I don't care where I'm at. You'll never see me, you know, stepping, you know, easily stepping around a subject and, you know, trying to lightly address it. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter to me. And I'm, I'm not going to be like one of those preachers that when somebody asks them about uh, homosexuality or the LGBTQIA community, they say, well, you know, I don't like to make blanket statements. You know, I like to have individual conversations with people because we're all on a journey. And it's No, no, there are things that are just clearly sin, and there are things that need to be called sin. I love every one of those people. I want to see God touch them. I want to see them in heaven. I want to see them delivered. I don't, you don't, you don't sit around and avoid those topics because somebody might get mad. They've gotten mad at me before. They've, they've, they've spoken out against me before. I'm not going to get weaker. I'm getting stronger on these things. 
I'm getting strong. Why? Because I know that Jesus is coming. And I know there's an eternity that we have to live in, either in heaven or in hell. And so we're not going to be uh, apathetic about the gospel message. We're not disinterested. You can't allow yourself to get to the place where it's an us for no more shut the door type of Christianity, where as long as we got enough to live on and as long as we got enough to go on vacation, as long as there's enough people for us that we all look the same, sound the same, whatever. No, it's time to reach out. Who needs this message? Go find them. Go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. We can't close our mouths. We can't shade our eyes. We can't look away. We've got to deal with what God called us to deal with, but we'll never do it. Listen to me. We'll never do it if an apathetic spirit creeps in. We'll never do it if a disinterested demeanor creeps in. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. And that's what the enemy wants. That's why I said this type of person cannot be helped because they don't care. You can't be helped if you don't care. Hear me. You can't be helped if you don't care. It's like people, doctors try to help them, but doctors can't even help them because they don't care. They keep on doing it. People would rather go get chemotherapy uh, than they would stop smoking cigarettes. I've seen people, people, yeah, I have uh, have cancer, and they're out there going through a, a pack a day. There's people on chemotherapy coming back still smoking cigarettes. It's like you don't care that you can't be helped because you don't care. Cannot be helped. Doctor telling you, hey, listen, you're going to die. You've got a bad heart. You need a triple bypass. They don't care. They're still pounding bear claws. Still pounding bear claws. Still pounding, you know, triple cheeseburgers with bacon. Stop eating like that. You've got a bad heart. Your arteries are clogged. We have to do a triple bypass. We've got to put stents in. They don't care. They're still pounding it. Yeah, do the surgery. I love to eat. They're pounding it. They don't care. They, they, they've lost interest. Totally lost interest. They're apathetic. Can't be helped. You cannot be helped when that comes on your life. They don't care anymore. They just do what they feel like doing and they don't care. That'll never be us in Jesus' name. That will never, it's, Brian's seen it. He's put it in the comments. Still smoking with the oxygen tank next to them on the ground. You got an oxygen tank and a lit cigarette, which cannot be safe. That cannot be safe. But you've seen it, I've seen it. But when people don't care, they can't be helped. And we declare it, that will never be us in Jesus' name. Never will be us. I had to give you this warning. As we come out of fasting and prayer, your flesh is going to come up at you again. The more you give it calories, the more you feed it, the stronger it'll get again. It'll start. You have to start. You have not, you've not had to do as much putting under of the flesh on the fast because your flesh is being subdued by the fast. But as you come out of this time of fasting and prayer, don't let your flesh rise up and take back over again. Put it under and keep it under and don't allow yourself to become apathetic or disinterested and coast back to coasting. I hope if that was where you were before the fast, that this lit a fire under you. Because let me tell you, it's a, it's a big step to spend time in extended fasting and prayer. I commend you. Hear what I'm saying. I commend you. I thank God for you. What a step of faith that you took. And I saw multiple people during this fast that wrote in the comments, this is my first time doing extended fasting and praying. I commend you. I thank God for you. Thank God for you. What you're doing is going to take you into a place with God that's going to provoke blessing. No question about it. 
because you're diligently seeking God. Diligently seeking God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so let me pray for every one of you that are watching tonight on this 20th night of the fast. Tomorrow being uh, our final day of fasting and prayer for this fast specifically. But Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise for using us, touching us, blessing us. Thank you for opening doors for us. And Lord, I ask you, Lord, as we're coming to the end of this time of consecration, that Lord, those that are still believing for open doors, still believing for breakthroughs and answers to prayer, let it come to pass quickly in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. Let our testimonies be many this year. Let us get to the end of this year of transformation and have signs, wonders, and miracles all around us. Things that will fill our spiritual journals, that will have testimonies for the future to tell people God did that. Couldn't do it myself. Nobody else could have helped me. It's the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes, in Jesus' name. It's the Lord's doing. Strengthen your people, Lord. I pray you strengthen their families, strengthen their marriages, strengthen their relationships with their children, in Jesus' name. I pray by the power of the Holy Ghost, you'd strengthen their businesses. Pray that you'd open up doors for new contracts and new clients, in Jesus' name. Let them expand. Let them increase like they never have. Those that are watching that are in the ministry, let their ministries explode by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let doors open on every side. Do the impossible and take all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Lord, we've declared it and we're going to live it. This is going to be our year of financial wonders in Jesus' name. It won't make sense. Put the largest seeds in our hand we've ever sown in Jesus' name and let this be a year of financial wonders for the faithful. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you for that. We give you praise for it. Let our churches abound. Let souls come in from every direction. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We give you praise. Everybody shout a loud amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.